Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. I don't know about you, but some of the messages that we've been talking about over the last several weeks have not been very easy to apply to our lives. Some of them are difficult. When Jesus says to do certain things, there's an expectation. And as David's already alluded, today is one that I believe is going to step on some, some toes. I think it's stepped on my toes over the last couple of weeks as I've been preparing for this. And truthfully, I think it's a timely message um, because I think there's an epidemic that's happening in our world that's much worse than COVID. And I'm going to explain it by creating some tension this morning. And I'm going to set some intentional, and some of you may actually get mad. Some of you may get frustrated. Some of you may look at me and go, I don't agree with it, and that's fine. But I want you to hear me out to the very end, because I believe the thing that we're going to talk about today, if we do, in fact, what Jesus tells us to do, we could change the world that we live in. It's exactly what Justin just prayed about. Justin prayed that we would be more like Jesus. And if these are Jesus's words, I would feel like if we apply them, then we would be more like Jesus. So let me start by creating the tension. It's going to be funny, the first one, and then we're going to create a little bit more and create a little bit more. Okay, so here we go. The first picture I want you to think, and I want you to think, what's, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you see this picture right here? So shine, shine that first picture up there. There it is. See, right away you go, go dogs, unless you're a South Carolina fan, or if you're a Clemson fan, or an Alabama fan. That creates, and honestly... If you see somebody wearing that, there's almost this, and if you're not, you're either saying, I like that team, or I judge that person and I don't like that team. There's, there's this thing, if you go to the beach, or if you see somebody, like I was all the way over in Italy um, in 2015, and a guy came walking past with a Georgia Bulldog shirt on, and the first thing you say as a Georgia Bulldog fan is, go dogs. And if they really like the dogs as much as their shirt says or the hat says, they, I don't, they don't care who's around them. It's, you could be in the Vatican, go dogs, and they go, go dogs. But it creates tension if you're not a dog fan, right? There, it's, there's a little frustration. If you're... Go Cox. See? All right, let's create a little more tension. What about this sign? So first service, we had booze, right? So I go to Publix. That's where I shop, right here in Riverwood. I do it on the way home. My wife just sent me a text about worship time was over. Hey, forgot to get cilantro so you can get some cilantro. I was like, fantastic. I love going to Publix. But you know what I do when I'm in Publix? I judge people. Anybody else judge people? I judge them in the line. I count how many items they have. And if they have more than 15, I am surely going to at least pray over them how dissatisfied I am that they have 15. Now I found myself, because of that sign, judging people that don't wear masks. Because as I've said a couple of times here, we want to, at Journey, we want to be an organization of respect. And so if people are asking us to do that, it's not that they're telling us to bow and worship Satan. They're just telling us to wear a stupid mask. So I'll wear a mask. But I've also found myself, I see somebody not wearing a mask, I'm like, you need to put your mask on. But I also found myself judging people because of this. They have these little signs that says, do not go this way. And I, 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 am, like, I am adamant. If you're going the wrong way, I'm standing there. You are going to have to bowl my big fat butt over. 
if you're going to think you're going to get through. And I stood there looking at pasta the other day for at least 10 minutes because this person was trying to get by. I'm like, okay. How about this one? Mm-hmm. Depending on what side of the equation you're on, depends on how you view it, don't you? Yesterday morning, I came over here for Fusion because our student ministry had a, an event here. It was amazing. If you have high school or middle school students, I would encourage you to get them involved in it. There was 130 or so students, 50 or 60 leaders. Man, it was just absolutely amazing. I was blown away by the move of God that was here yesterday with our Fusion. But I was coming down the road and I saw all these, and I forgot about this. There's this there was this uh, Trump parade yesterday at Clark's Hill. So everybody was taking their boats out and putting these big, so I see, I'm like, what is going on today? Like is, so I'm seeing all these boats go by. On the way back, I see at Pollard's Corner, right before my house where I live, I see there's a bunch of people that are rallying against Trump, and it's almost like a standoff right there. And this, this thought came to me four years ago, um, and I've shared this with a couple of our staff members, because in our church, we have all different styles of people. We have all different communities of people. We have all different social and economical systems. We have all different colors. We have all different um, you know, genres of politics. We have all that. And so a church like a couple, 3,000 people, 4,000 people, you say one thing, there's a majority of the people on the other side are going to get mad at what you say. And I remember saying this to our staff on November, whatever it was last time, 8th or 9th, there was a segment of the population of people that I love and I care about at this church, this faith community right here, that when they woke up, their person lost. They're, they're, they weren't going to have the president they wanted. And there was a segment of the population that woke up that go to the same faith community, the church that Jesus Christ died for, not just this church, but the church. And they woke up the next day, they walked up the next day, and they were winners. Man, it causes tension. And right away, we judge, don't we? We judge people. And it's so sad now how we judge. We don't judge on policy anymore. We judge on, on personality. We, we literally have taken the attacks to personal things about how much brain capacity one person has or how much person you know, does this or does that. And I'm thinking, man, we, and we're supposed to be representing Jesus Christ in this world. No wonder people don't want to come to church. We can't even get our own junk together. Okay? How about this one? Hmm. Right after George Floyd was murdered, we did a thing here called Conversations. And I sat on this, this stage right here with three black men that I respect as much as anybody else in the world. It was Pat, um, our, our, our youth pastor. It was Keith Walton, our uh, pastor down at Sherwood, and Terrence Vandiver, the pastor of Thankful Baptist Church, who I've known for years. And you would have thought that I would have said something like so heretic, like, uh, they, they, like I would have called Jesus something other than what Jesus was because my mail went from one end of the extreme to the other. People going, black lives matter, black lives matter. How like, are you, like, there's no such thing as white supremacy. There's no, and I'm going, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're just having a conversation. People literally left the church over that conversation we had right here. And it's, and it's, it's weird because the second one we did, the video we did, I was sitting here with Pat and Keith and I had asked them the question. I said, can you tell me, what does that mean to you? Do you even, do you buy into this? And Pat's exact words, and when he said it, I knew he was going to get email. He said this, I believe in what the slogan says, but I don't agree with the movement. And I thought to myself, 
you have just literally put your head on the chopping block. Creates tension, doesn't it? And we judge based on that right there. Let me give you one more. What's the first thing that pops in your mind when you see a picture like that? I'll tell you because I know a little bit of the story. A death row inmate. Life sentence without parole. Convicted for stabbing and raping a white woman. The problem is if we just look at the picture and we just hear the story, we miss so much of the other part of the story. Because just like we've been told since we were small, don't judge a book by what? Its cover? Archie Williams was judged by his cover. I want you to watch the rest of this. Well, there's a couple questions you probably have. The first question is, yes, he did get through. They gave him and he sang the next time. Um, another thing that I just have to say, because there's people that are watching us online, that you may not be able to say this, uh, see this. And so if you would like to see the Archie Williams story, you can go to YouTube, and we're going to have a link. Um, just because of copyright laws, we may not be able to print it. But the third thing, the third statement is this. I can't believe I live in a country that can strip a man 37 years of his life, and we can judge based on color or based on location or based on the fact that somebody can't afford something. And that goes against every principle in the Bible. It used to be the national pastime in the United States used to be baseball. And now it's judging. That's the national pastime. If you're part of a different group, you worship differently, you act a little differently, you dress differently, you look differently, you say differently, you leave a certain place, you, you study a certain way. If you do anything different than me, I'm going to judge you. And not only am I going to judge you, but I'm going to shame you on social media. I'm going to make sure that I push send and send and send. And everybody understands how big I am and how small you are. I think it's epidemic. I think it's a problem. I think it goes against everything the Bible stands for and everything Jesus stood up for. It's about time as believers, we take a stance and say, judging people based on exterior. That's who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to people that specifically judged on the exterior and not what was going on, on the inside. That's why when Jesus stands on that mountaintop and he says in Matthew 7, judge not that you will be judged. He's saying the way you judge, the way you judge, the amount of judgment you have is the same exact way that you're going to be judged. I have watched this happen firsthand. People literally, that all they do is pull the sword out and end up laying on the sword. The ones that are the most judgmental. The ones that also seemingly have the most grace fill in their life. They forget where they come from. Jesus says it like this, judge not that you be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? And then he says, um, and when there's a log in your own eye, he says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them under the foot, and turn and attack you. Now, I want to say something about this, because there's a couple truths that I think we've got to get. Jesus is not saying that we can't stand for things that are morally wrong. That's not even where he's going right here. What he's saying is, take care of your own junk before you start taking care of somebody else's junk. 
Because it's, 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 it's the people group. He's talking to people that he literally himself said, you're like whitewashed tombs, but there's death and decay on the inside. So Jesus over and over and over again is having this conversation. He is specifically rebuking the hypocrite that was walking around that planet. And I'm going to tell you something. I see a lot of it in the church today. I see people that are quick to judge other people from other churches outside their little fellowship because they don't do it the way they do it. Man, and what he's saying here is, it's okay to do that, but you better be willing to hold yourself at the same level that you're holding this person over here. Acts chapter 15, the first business meeting of the church. Peter stands up after judging a situation. They're arguing about the Gentile believers. Should they be circumcised? And he says, listen, this is what he says to the Jewish leaders. You can't even keep the rules that you're wanting them to keep. How do you expect them to keep them? And he says, I find it would be easier. Just let the Gentile believers believe in Jesus and Jesus alone. And you know what? The world has this really weird concept of the church. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I have lots of church conversations with people. People that are new to faith. People that are getting ready to be baptized. People that are checking journey out. People that I've invited that are far from God. And overwhelming, what I hear the response is, I don't, I don't want to go to church. You know why they don't want to go to church? They said there's too many hypocrites in it. There's too many people that judge. There's too many people that are judgmental. Now, I want, to know, I want you to know something. That is something I hear over and over and over again. And I hear it so much that I'm starting to believe this is a problem. If people think they're only going to be judged or everything that they do is wrong or we can't go to this place or that place. I've said this for years. The world knows all the things that the church is against. When's the last time that somebody said, this is what the church is for? The church is for lost people, that lost people matter to God. And if they matter to God, they should matter to us. But no, we judge them instead. I had a conversation. I didn't even share this with the first two services, but it happened after first service. And a lady that came down, she has a, a different sexual orientation than a lot of people in most churches would even buy into or, you know, she said, here's the deal. I know where you stand. This is what she said. I know where you stand, Bobby. I know where you stand. But I feel welcome in this place. And I get to hear, me listen, at some, I'm not judging jury. There's only one that can be judging jury. And it's not me. My name is not on the throne. It doesn't say King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Bobby Smith. It says Jesus of Nazareth. And let me tell you something. There's a huge difference between judging and guilt. Let me explain this. Guilt is a thing because you've done something wrong and you've known you've done something wrong. I was riding down the highway. We were on the way to go visit my daughter who lives in Marietta. And so I was doing my normal, I don't know what the speed limit is on the highway. Let's say it's 70 miles an hour. I was probably doing a few miles more than 70, probably 80 something, okay? My truck doesn't seem to go slow. So my wife, maybe like your wife, she, she'll, you know the speed limit's 70, speed limit 70. I'm like, and what do you do? As soon as she says that, I said, I take my foot off the gas pedal and I aisle down to about 73. Hey, I'm only doing 73. She said, I looked at it. You were doing like 87. Like I was not doing 87. No, oh, I, I, no that, that's wrong. <laughs> so I'm riding down the road and just by chance, there's a police officer, police car sitting between right there around Madison, sitting between the two the exits and the, and the medium. And I'm, I'm like, Whoa. and as soon as I see him, you know what I do? Back off the gas, right? Because I don't want to get caught. And she was like, guilty? I'm like, shut up. <laughs> so all of a sudden, the car whips around in the medium 
and throws the lights on. And I'm doing this number right here. She goes, what are you looking at? Nothing. He's coming, isn't he? Maybe. Has he got the lights on? Maybe. Well, I'm sitting there. I am in fear. You ever lived in fear? Like he's going to pull you over. This is going to be a biggie. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, grace of God, I'm praying, Jesus, I'll never do it again. I'll tithe double. I'll go to Africa. Do whatever you want me to do. I just, just, just get me out of this one, Jesus. You know, Take me home right now or something. The police car sweeps around me, lights still on, blaring, and right past me. And what do I do? I speed up to what he's doing, right? Because it's what you do. 15 minutes go by, maybe 20 minutes go by. And I'm sitting there. And the, 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 the silence was deafening. And I said to her, something like this, are you going to keep bringing this up all day long? Are you going to get off my back pretty soon? And she looked at me. She goes, I didn't. That's guilt. That's what guilt looks like. That's different than judgment. Guilt comes from something that's going on inside of me that the Holy Spirit speaking. I know in my knower that I'm not doing something right. Somebody say amen to that. You know in your knower. It's like when the kid goes, kid goes, hey, hey, dad, is it okay for me to do this? And you go, if you have to ask me, it's probably not okay. So Jesus in Matthew chapter seven, he's not talking about guilt and he's not talking about not making a judgment. What he's saying is take care of the, 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 the own stuff before you start taking care of other stuff. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to three quick things. I want us to be careful in our judgments. I want us to be really keen about what we're, how we're judging what we're doing. Matthew 7 says, judge not that you not be judged for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So how do you do that? I think we can ask ourselves four real quick questions that'll help us in our judging. The first thing is we need to ask ourselves, do I really sit in the judgment seat on this situation? Like, do I really, because there's certain things that we sit in the judgment seat, right? If you're a business owner, you sit in the judgment seat of who you hire or who you terminate. You sit in the judgment seat sometimes with, with who you're going to hang out with, uh, your spouse, like if you're going to do certain things with certain people, and certain people don't take us the direction we want to go. I think if you're a mom and dad, you sit on the judgment seat of who your children hang out with. I think that's a God-given responsibility. I don't think that relationship's good for you right there. I think that's going to take you a bad direction. I think that God allows us to do that. But God doesn't allow us to sit on the judgment seat and tell me or, or, or I tell you whether you're saved or whether you're not saved or whether your fruits are worth lining up with the fruits that somebody else has. And that's what he's talking So we got to determine, are, are we on that seat? Here's the second thing. I, we need to ask ourselves, is this any of our business? Is this any of our business? Sometimes it's none of our business. I, I had a person say, a pastor friend of mine, and he was talking about somebody and he said, listen, he said, I don't even know if that person's saved. And I'm like, what do you mean you don't know if that's person? Like, they've been, like, why? What would, you, what would, determine, what would determine that? And they, well, they're, 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 their life's just not, I don't even know if they're saved. And I'm thinking, why don't you do this? In your prayer time today, why don't you tell Jesus that that person's not saved to make sure that that person doesn't, doesn't slip by the pearly gates, you know, and get in on a technicality? Like, it's not your job. I was sitting with a, a pastor friend, it was just a couple of weeks ago, and we were having a great conversation, and all of a sudden, this other guy walks in, this other pastor, and we started, to, you know, kind of just have a conversation, right? It was like, and he goes, you know, he's a phony. I'm like, what? Yeah, he's a phony. And, and this is what blew me away. Not to, because, I mean, how can you tell he's a phony? He goes, by the way, he dresses. I'm like, what? Like, I didn't realize that that was the criteria whether somebody's legit or not. Like, how I wear my jeans or the boots or the, or the, or the shirt wire. And 
and I, I thought, and this is what I said to him. I said, is it really any of your business whether that person's saved or whether that person is a phony? Why don't you just worry about you? Here's another one. Ask yourself, I love this, if you have all the facts. Before you push send, before you blast somebody, before you have that conversation because you feel like you need to get it off your chest, you better make sure you have all the facts. A while back, I got a phone call, and we'll call this guy Bill. Bill calls me and says, hey, Bobby, did you hear about John? And I'm like, well, well, no, I didn't hear about John. Well, you didn't hear about what happened with John. I'm like, well, you may want to tell me John's kind of a leader in our church. And he said, well, you know, John got arrested. I was like, oh, you know, and that used to be a running joke, how many people from Journey are in the jail report. But this wasn't funny this time. So I'm sitting there, and I, I, said, uh, I said, well, I'm going to make sure I'm going to check on this. So I'm going to call John. So I call John, hey, John. And I play dumb, which is not hard for me to do. I play, uh, hey, John, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. Everything good with you? Yeah, yeah. I, I, anyone come out and say, hey, by the way, were you arrested? That would be offensive. I said, hey, everything good? I said, because, because Bill over here said that he saw you and he thinks you were arrested. Is that true? And he said, no. He said, my car broke down and the cop gave me a ride to where my car was going. You better have all the facts. We were out with a couple. It's been a couple years ago. And they were celebrating their 15th wedding anniversary. That's a milestone. So they're celebrating 15 and we're having a good time. And all of a sudden, the conversations start leading about down the road with kids. Like that's what usually happens, right? And the lady says, the 15, she's celebrating 15 years with her husband. The lady goes, my 17-year-old son. And every head at the table went. Whoosh. And all of a sudden, I could tell, you, can, you, you ever been in a place where you can cut the tension with a knife? And people are pulling out their calculators on their phones, figuring it out. It's not that hard. It's a two years difference, right? <laughs> And the lady, one of the ladies says, um, I have a problem with that. You're a leader in our church. I, I think that would have been something that, that, that we should know about before we follow a person like you. I'm like, what? And she said, well, I think there's something you should know about us then. We adopted that child. It was 11 years old when they adopted this boy. So they had only had him for six, seven years. You better have all the facts. So if you're sitting on the judgment seat, you better make sure you know what you're talking about. And I can't tell you how many times in the last couple months I've watched somebody post something and I'll literally go, I bet they didn't check the facts because that's not the truth. Let me give you one more. Can you be, ask yourself, can you be objective? So I'm a Georgia fan. I don't hide it, right? David's a South Carolina fan. We love him anyway, right? We have Will is a Clemson fan. We're not sure about him yet. But it's one of those deals where, so you ever watch a football game and there's that close play, it's right on the sidelines and they, they may, it looks like you can't tell with your naked eye whether that person caught the ball. Maybe they're bobbling it, maybe they were out of bounds. So what they do is they go to a rerun, right? They go to a rerun and they go, they go we're, gonna look at the, we're gonna look at the film and they come out. Now here's the deal. I'm gonna prove to you that I can't be objective, okay? Because if the University of Georgia guy is the one catching the ball, I don't care if he's got both feet out of bounds, it's a good catch. Right? If it's a South Carolina guy and he's got this much room, you better try, you need to check it again. Because I don't think he made it. He was bobbling or something. Because by human, we can't be objective. It's interesting to me. Because John says it like this. In the Gospel of John 7.24 says, do not judge, and this is how we do it. Do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. That means you know the facts, that you have objective. 
The Greeks, the way they would judge when they would bring somebody into a, a, a court case is they would shut the lights down so you couldn't see the person so you could have an objective opinion on whatever's being taken place. So if it's a murder or if it's a, somebody stole something for somebody, we're not looking at the person. Well, that's the way it should be with us. Let me tell you the only person that can be objective, the only person that's on the throne, the only person that has the right to judge, okay? It says this in James chapter four, verse 12. There's only one lawgiver and judge who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Romans chapter 4, 14, 10. When you pass judgment on a brother or you, why you despise your brother, for we will stand before the judgment seat of God. That's it. It's the only person we're standing up. So that's the first thing. Second thing is this. You need to check yourself. I need to check myself first. I need to look in the mirror and go, okay, I'm going to have a little self-awareness. That's what verse 3 and 4 say. Why do, you see a, why do you see a speck that's in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how you can say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is this log in your own eye. Now, I want you to notice, he's not saying that you don't take the speck out. He's not saying that you don't deal with situations. What he's saying is, make sure you have your junk right first before you start pulling out the small stuff in somebody else's eye. And it reminded me of a story. There's this couple, they're traveling across the United States. And they get about halfway, they have to stop at a gas station. And this is the days where they had self, not self-serve, but um, full service, right? So somebody would come and uh, put the gas in your tank. And one of the things that I used to love they, they would do, they would clean your windshield for me. Because we all know, like the lie of the dentist, like we go to the dentist and they say, so when's the last time you flossed? Well, I haven't flossed and how? All right. Same thing with windshield. We never clean our windshield wipers off if we have to, right? Unless we go through the... So the, he was, this guy, he's squeegeeing the thing, squeegeeing, he pulls it, he pulls it, he pulls it, pulls it. And the guy goes, that is awful. That is the worst cleaning job I've ever seen. I want you to do that again right now. So the guy puts some water on, and he puts the brush on there, and he flips it over, and he hears, and he's, oh, man, he's looking, he's looking, he's looking. The guy goes, like, seriously, like, what's wrong with you? Like, that is the worst. Like, there's stuff all over. There's smudges, there's scrapes, there's all kinds of dirt all over the place. He says, you do it right now, and if you can't do it right this time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call your manager. So the guy gets up there, and he's getting a little frustrated. He's like really kind of scrubbing right now, and he, he draws it across, and as he draws it across, he looks at it, and he thinks it's spotless. All of a sudden, the guy is furious. He said, you get your manager right now. Like, you are, the, you are worthless. I can't believe they even hired you here. About that time, the wife was sitting in the passenger seat and grabbed the guy's glasses and pulled the glasses off his face and started to clean the glasses off and cleaned all the smudges off and all the things he was saying. He put the glasses back on and the windshield was spotless. That's how we are. We can't see past the smudges in our glasses. The log in our own eye to check out the speck of whatever is in somebody else's eye. And that's why I said, listen, we got to check ourselves. We not, it's not that we don't help other people. It's that we make sure that what we're saying and what we're doing are lining up. I, I, I'm blown away at this. David does a lot of counseling. I do a lot of counseling. It's amazing to me when I have two people front, in front of me in a counseling appointment. And I can almost tell right away if it's going to go south when they're constantly blaming each other and neither one of them take any responsibility for any of the actions. It's always somebody else's fault. It's always that person's. I've watched it in business. I've watched where two people, well, well like they had a great, like an amazing business and something toxic happened in that business and they start pointing the finger and there's always that one person that won't take responsibility for their actions. Let me tell you where else I see it. And I see this all the time. 
And I don't mean this to offend anybody. I'm just going to tell you the way I see it as a person that's kind of, you know, 10, 10 feet back. I, I, I hear it all the time. I hear, I hear it from teachers. I hear it from parents. Little Johnny comes home with a note that Johnny can't keep his, his mouth shut. Or little Jill comes home because she's not doing good in school. And the first response that we have is the teacher's fault. It's the teacher's fault. That teacher's not, she's not teaching right or he's not teaching right. We, we have a coach that comes to our church. church well, actually, two. Augusta Christian coach comes here and, and, um, and Tony Kramer, our uh, Green Bar uh, football coach. And we were talking about it earlier. We were talking about like how many times kids, like they're just not good enough to play. Like you may be able to play Pop Warner and, and right away it's the coach's fault. You're not coaching my kid right. You're not giving my kid ample time. He's, he's so much better when he's playing in this over here. How about we take some responsibility for ourselves? How about not blaming everybody else for all the world's problem? It's not because of rigid potty training from your mom and dad. Maybe, just maybe, little Johnny or little Jill's got a problem. Maybe he needs a little extra work. Let me give you a good test. I did this in the first two service. I like this. Let me give you a good test. See where, where you fall in this. When somebody else acts the way, ugly, they're ugly. You know, they're like, they, they act oh, like that way. That's ugly. That's mean. But when you do it, you're just expressing yourself. How about that? How about this one? How about when someone else is set in his ways, he's obstinate. But when you are, you're just firm. I'm firm, right? I'm just firm. How about this? When someone else doesn't like your friend, he's prejudiced. When you don't like his friend, you're just a good judgment of character. You see see how it plays out? How about this? When someone else spends a lot, uh, he is wasteful. But when you do the same, you're generous. You're extravagant generous. What about when someone else picks flaws in things? He's critical. When you do it, you're discerning. You see where I'm going with this? We got to make sure that the stuff isn't, isn't, isn't on our glasses. We got to make sure that we're checking ourselves. And this is what Jesus said. And imagine Jesus telling you, imagine Jesus preaching this message. He says, you hypocrite. Wow. You better back up a little bit. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly and take the speck out of your brother's eye. Which leads me to the last thing, and this is really, really important. We need to learn to be judicious with our words. And I love that word judicious. That means we are thoughtful in our words. We're, we're making sure we're using them properly. We're not wasting our stuff. And that's exactly what Matthew chapter 7 is saying. He's saying, don't waste it. He says, do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them under the foot and turn to attack you. Now, I want to lay a little foundation for this real fast. When Jesus is talking about dogs, he's not talking about Fido that's in your house. He's talking about dogs that are, that are wild and crazy. And if you've ever been in a third or fourth world country, people don't just have dogs for pets. They're literally just out there and, 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 they, and they eat whatever scraps that are out there. They, 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 they ravage in garbage. They, they're just, they're, they're animals. In this culture, what Jesus was saying was actually talking about immorality, uh, immorality barbarism, vulgarity, and ignorance. He's saying, if you're a dog or if I'm going to equate you to a dog or a pig, it's a really, really bad thing. And he's saying, like, don't get, don't get wrapped up in that. I mean, I'm going to give you a truth today. If you're a business owner, if you're in ministry, if you've ever dealt with people, you need to know this. Some people will just never listen. You can talk to your blue in the face, and some people will just never listen. And that's what Jesus is saying right here. That's not saying we don't love people. That's not saying we don't care. But you have to understand there's a moment in time in that relationship where you have to realize that you are wasting your time. Now, you can pray for them, and I would encourage you to pray for them. I would encourage you to, to, to make it a matter of prayer when we go through the 930. 
But that doesn't mean you need to, you know, wax eloquent with long three-hour meetings. I've seen this over and over again. I've been in meetings with people, literally, I have a conversation with them, and I'll sit there and go, hey, there's some things we need to work on right here, and there's the situation that happened right here. And I've literally been in meetings where people, all they do is to defend themselves and deflect. They defend and deflect, defend and deflect. Like, I didn't do that. That wasn't me. That was somebody else's fault. Somebody else did that. Well, that was in your budget. Well, that person was in charge of that part of the budget. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And, it, and what happens is come, there comes a time in that conversation where I just literally stop talking. Because I know all that's going to happen is we're going to end up in an argument. And so I'll, I'll stop talking. Stephen Furtick said this. He said, you shouldn't be worried about people if they're still having conversations with you. If they're still talking with you, there's dialogue. That means the relationship's good. But you better worry about it when people stop talking to you. Because they're tired of the constant battle and the wearing that, it, I mean, it just wears on you. It, it, it actually it just, just draws every ounce. It's depleting in your life. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. Don't. It, it blows me away. Some people's lives, and I get this, and, and I, man, we do this all the time. Some people's lives are so messed up and you're sitting there and you know the solution and you want to tell them this is how you do them. That marriage would be so much better if you just mutual, mutually submitted to each other. If you ran to the back of the line, not trying to be first all the time, if you were willing to be, lay your life down like the Bible says, but they won't listen to you. I've done it with businesses. People go, you know, my business is, and, and well, you're spending too much money. You have too much going out and not enough coming in. You have to change the way you do something. And they'll go, you know, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. You're not a business guy. Eventually, what happens is people stop talking to them. And so I've learned to use two Ds when I'm having conversations. Discernment and discretion. I'm going to discern where that person's at, and I'm going to use my words with discretion. I'm not going to waste my words on things or people, unfortunately. That doesn't mean if you call me up that I'm not going to do a counseling appointment with you. Like, I'm not going to go, hey, Gretchen, I don't have, think that person has much, you know, they're not going to make it. Sorry. No, we're going to have a conversation. But there comes a time, and, and David knows this, and Gretchen's been with me long, long enough that there's comes time where, like, you, can, you need to see somebody else. You're not paying attention. I, I literally told somebody in the last couple years, I said, I'm going to give one of you an ax and the other one a nice pick and let you guys go at it. Because that's about where it's heading right now. Somebody, see, that's why you come to me for counseling. See, we value David Bryan at this church. Some people don't want pearls. Just, that's it. Some people don't want pearls. And so why try to give them pearls when they don't want them? John 3, 19 says, and this is the judgment. He says, the light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. I'm not talking about heaven and hell here. I'm talking about just not wanting to be better, not, not wanting to listen and and so there's a criteria I've been using lately. I encourage you to just think through this. I asked myself, I actually had a friend of mine say, you haven't posted much anymore. Guess what? It's intentional. There's that old proverb. It goes something like, better keep your mouth shut and people think that you're full rather than open your mouth and let them know that you are one. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And truthfully, I don't want to start arguments. I'm tired of arguments. So ask, your, ask yourself, I ask myself, is this any of my business? Or, you know, I've been doing this a lot lately. I started actually last July. 
We wrote a whole sermon series called Search Me on it. And it was, God, what's, what's in me? What's in me? Self-reflection. I write these things. As a matter of fact, it was Psalm 137 that Justin read. 139. And there's that fearfully and wonderfully made part. The other, the other part in the very beginning of that, search me, God. Search me. Find out what's going on inside of me. And that's self-reflection. And that means you're going to take care of the log in your own eye before you take care of the speck in somebody else's eye. That, that, what an idea that is before we you know, press send. And ask yourself, am I telling this person to live the example that I'm living or just as I say I'm living? And that's important. That's why our kids get really confused sometimes, by the way. If you ever want to know why kids have a hard time trusting parents, watch how they respond, how they do certain things, how they lie to their kids, how they lie to the people around them. There's a reason there's trust issues. When they go to the, 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 go to the when they go, and I'm not pointing any fingers, I'm, I'm just pointing fingers. I'm not pointing at people, I'm just pointing. Like if you go to the, if you go to that place that shows movies, the movie theater, and you know, under 11 gets a discount and your son's 13, but you tell them that you're under 11, they're watching that. When you, when you lie to your boss and say, I'm, I'm calling in sick today and you're really going to play golf, they're listening to that. And that's why we don't have, a lot of parents don't have credibility with their kids. It's because they're saying, just, just do as I say, not as I do. And Jesus is saying, better plan, do both. I'm gonna live it out and I'm gonna say it, but I'm gonna live it out before I say it. And so that's another criteria. It's another question I ask myself. And the last one is this. Is this relationship gonna be destructive or productive? And I'm just gonna be honest with you. If I see it's gonna be destructive, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't have the time. I don't have the time for it. And um, it takes me to a place that's dark and it's not good for me and it's not good for our church. And so I've had to learn to just push back a little bit. So today, Jesus says, don't judge. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> like I was, like I want one of those other ones. I want I want, the, I want seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All the other stuff falls in place. I like that one. But this one's one I struggle with. And so if I struggle with it, I know there's other people in this room that struggle with it. And so next week, we're starting this thing called the 930. And I think it's timely that we can make this a matter of prayer and fasting. That if you struggle with it, or maybe somebody you know struggles with it, and those conversations need to happen, maybe the first person we have the conversation with with Jesus. And so I'm going to encourage you. They're going to show a video in a second about what the 930 is because we have lots of new people coming to our church. But I want to pray first and then they're just going to fire the video and then we're going to close the service out. Let's pray. God, I'm so glad these are your words and not my words. And Justin said it absolutely as good as it could be said. These words bring life they bring liberty, they bring freedom, they bring grace. And so I'm thankful, I'm thankful for your words. I pray for me, I pray for our faith community, I pray for this world. This world can be ruthless. This world can judge on exterior things. This world can make things so personal that we tear people down instead of building people up. And I just don't see you in the Bible doing that, God. You never judged because of an appearance. You never judged for the sake of just judging. It was because you wanted to see people better. You wanted to see us better. And that's why I'm thankful for Jesus, because you did for me what I couldn't do for myself. You went to the cross. You purchased life. You purchased freedom. 
purchase newness. I pray for our church, God, as we enter this 930, that we would be very keen on the things that you're speaking to us and how you want us to be in this world we live in. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.